Hello and welcome to the Elevate Music podcast. I'm Lucy Heyman and in this episode we're going to be talking about DIY artists. I'll be speaking to musician and songwriter Imogen Heap and we'll also hear from owner of bespoke label services company Wrapped Up Music, Tim Ferroni. But to start, let's hear from Imogen. I kind of signed a record deal bit by accident. Um, I had a manager who stayed with me for about 20 years. He found me, in inverted commas, at school when I was at the Brit School making just demos and just enjoying making music, not really thinking about career at the time, just enjoying recording and learning about that side of things, the technical side of things. And at the end of every year, we had a CD that was called The Class Of, The Class Of 93, The Class Of 94. And I wrote a song on there called Missing You, which he really liked. And he kept kind of chasing me around, trying to get more demos off me. And I just didn't really understand, even at that time, what the concept of what a manager was or the concept of a label or anything, even though I went to the Brit School, but it was only two years in on that, uh, at that time. So I was very underprepared and just kept running away from him because I thought he fancied me. Didn't kind of have, understand this concept of just that he wanted to take me to see labels. So he put me in the studio with my first ever producer that I worked with as a man called Nick Kershaw who was amazing first introduction into that world and then he helped me edit this song down called Come Here Boy which got me uh, basically a publishing and a record deal combined which isn't advisable generally um, it's good to have those quite separate and with that yeah recorded my first album but it was all a bit accidental a bit not planned and just extremely lucky, if you can call it lucky. I mean, I don't hold any of the licenses for those tracks and will never do for my entire life. But that's the kind of deal that you signed, you know, 30 years ago, whatever it was. So anyway, that was my first introduction. And then gradually over the course of my life, in terms of the business side, I've just taken on as much as I can. And to whatever technology enabled me to take on that part of the business, then I would. So when I was about 25, I paid for my own record and I went totally independent and then I pulled together a team and delivered a record independently that was the first time that I did that and I was yeah 25 or something and that was an album called Speak for Yourself and it did pretty well and we stamped addressed quite a few envelopes and then eventually gave it to Absolute Distribution Company and then ultimately we partnered with Sony White Rabbit label to do a licensing deal which now I'm going to be receiving back those masters in three years or something like that so that's really good really good thing to have done and then I stayed with them for one more album and then I went back to be fully independent in the UK and around the world apart from the US which they had one more album Sparks but essentially I've just been trying to claw some independence where I can. Could you tell me what inspired you to start up on your own and to do run your own label what what was it that drove you to do that? Sheer frustration out of just disbelief really at two times in a row the label promising you the world and then delivering nothing that happened two times in a row and just this feeling of bitterness I just didn't want to feel bitter towards anyone I wanted to feel like if I'm going to be disappointed let it be me that disappoints myself rather than relying on other people to deliver you know I felt like I delivered on a record and I'd work my butt off to make this beautiful thing happen and then it was in their hands and I just felt so helpless that I just couldn't bear that feeling anymore and so I funded it myself and got that independence and everything changed from there. The minute I was able to make those decisions and deal directly with people 
that's also the biggest thing was that there's always this buffer with a major label. I just thought I can do this. I can do this. I can bring in people that I love, bring in people that I've met over my, you know, short so far career. I brought in a radio plugger, I brought in a press person, I brought in a sync agency and that sync agency got me into the OC, you know, Gossip Girl, all these kinds of things that a huge flurry of sync that basically launched that part of my career and the independent label. How did you know what to do? I mean, presumably you didn't have experience of doing that before. Well, the thing is, it's literally not rocket science. A lot of the time labels, they will put this kind of huge kind of glaze over the reality of what to do to put a record out. And there is no right way. There is no exactly wrong way. It's just so much of the time it, it's just luck or you make your own luck. You've just got to work hard, be in the right place, make sure you're working with people that get what you do and you know are smart they're smarter than you and that's who you work with you don't work with people who don't get it who are worried about the next paycheck they're moving money around for the wrong reasons because they've got a huge corporation to to back and so decisions aren't based around what's best on the record they're based on what's best for the record label and that's often head to head with what's good for the artist the problem that we have now is just this incredible amount of opportunity and where to go and what decisions and which distributors and what deals and there's so much to offer out there the problem that most people have is how to navigate through that how to know to pitch one service against another to have recommendations there's no kind of marketplace for services and music makers to meet at that intersection that is going to come and I hope that one of the projects we're doing is going to bring that to life where we can have an understanding of the lay of the land of what services are out there there's hundreds of thousands of services but yet we only get to hear about a small handful because of who we know and some people don't know anyone the reason I found it relatively not easy but I had a manager at the time so that helped he'd been in the business for you know 10 years or something and also I'd had a career there already so I knew people but if you were to start out from scratch right now in this industry and try to release a track God, I would be lost. I'd be totally lost. There's just so many things to know and try to understand and grasp. We need help to filter that and to discover and find our kind of champions. If someone was about to build a team and they didn't have any experience of it, is there any sort of advice that you'd have in terms of looking to build a team, things to look out for in people? I mean, it's, it's a pretty esoteric question, but um, it's, as, you, as you point out, it's quite a difficult thing, isn't it? I think the same is true for anything. You just, you can either like put out a job description and try and find some people that way, but that is very, very hard. And most of the time, musicians don't have 40 grand a year or whatever you'd need. So then you're either going for paying people, which means you have to have income in the first place. So it is very difficult to start out to get a team together if you haven't got any income because you haven't got a career yet. So that's why most musicians just do so much themselves. They just get on and they just, you know, they're doing their own podcasts, they're doing their own videos, they're doing whatever they can, pulling favours left, right and centre with their friends to pull together content to get out there and try and catch a little ember to, you know, make fire. So my only advice is just go where the love is. You know, that's all you can do because the love and the belief and the passion that you find in people is something that you just can't pay for. And, you know, obviously you pay people if you can and, and if you can't pay people, then you have to pay in some other way. Like, I don't know what that might be in the future or, or reciprocal work, you know. So, you know, there are many talents that music makers have beyond just making a song. It could be that they're good at cooking or they're good at babysitting or they're good at video making or whatever they are, you know. That's what I started out doing. That's how I met Guy. I made some backing vocals for his album with this first band that he was in called Acacia. 
And in return, he produced a song of mine called Getting Scared. And that helped towards getting my record deal. So you just touched on time there and, and how busy a grassroots artist can be. How do you think that impacts on their health? I think it's incredibly hard just finding time to check in with yourself and make a call to a friend or you're always on this if I stop for a moment it's all going to fall apart and there is opportunity in terms of technological opportunity but it leads to much impossibility to actually you know receive any income the mental health side is tricky you know I've struggled a little bit here and there nothing I've really delved down too much in but there's this kind of constant slightly anxious feeling that you just always have there's always there's something in the future you're about to do or you're trying to do or preparing to do the one thing that's really really helped me is the reminder that life is precious and I have this daughter basically that that's what really changed it for me it was having a child I had to I had to have a child to learn to slow down to take time for myself because I wanted to be there for her and I want to be healthy for her and I want to have sound mind and I could easily go for four or five days to just finish something or maybe like one hour sleep a day and I can do that when I'm making music but I can't do that when I'm a mummy I can't not go to sleep for four days just got to find a way to get to bed early and with it you know what to do to get yourself sleep early is just have a little read and you know that that helps me just put my mind into a different space but every now and then I just go, oh, I, I just need to listen to music every now and then. Or, oh, I need to go and watch a film every now and then. Or, oh, wait a minute, I just need to go for a walk. You just need to be reminded sometimes. I've never been very good at building habits. And I wish I was better at that. Because I think if I built in a walk in the day and I built in a bit of music and dancing time and I built in some social time, it, it would be so much better. But because you don't have that structure in the day that if you have an inverted commas day job if you have a place where you have to be and a place when you then leave and you leave it behind then you fit in social time you have family time because you're restricted and that's kind of what's ended up happening with scout is i have a really special time with scout and i want to be there for her reading her stories and i want to be up early in the morning with her so got to be around and that means you have to pack your day into you know nine to three thirty because that's when she's at school and then sometimes taking calls at night so i'm much i'm much healthier in my mind than i've ever been and it's the opposite of what i'd imagined i imagined i'd be a mess you know i imagined how would i possibly cope with all of the work and have a child you know and be, be a mum and all that stuff how would i do it but actually what's happened is the opposite. I've actually earned more money than I've ever done because I've valued myself. I've put you know, prices on my fees for things, which I would have never done before. I would almost feel like obliged to do things for free because it's only music in inverted commas. And that's what so many people think as well when they invite you to these panels and conferences and everything. They just think, oh, it's all for the betterment of your career. And it's like, well, actually, no, it's not. It's better for your conference and it's not good for my well-being. So I have started to put prices on things. And it's amazing how quickly people go, oh, OK. I had a manager up until of Scout's birth, actually. I was like, right, I'm just going to... I need to do things a bit differently. And, you know, I want to keep that percentage that I was given away. And I want to keep it for Scout. But since then, I mean, I brought a team around me. So I pay, obviously, more wages for people. But as a result, I go and I work really hard. And I, I get those good deals because... I can, I have to ask for that amount of money because I don't have an option. Obviously managers can be extremely important and very, very helpful and a musician's success is in large part to their managers but it's not absolute that you have to have a manager. I think there's this myth that if you have a manager you can get a record deal but that's not true. And so quite a lot of the time you might sign up with a manager 
just thinking, oh, that's what musicians should do. But then you're locked in, you know, with that manager for many, many years and it can become quite messy. It would be nice if you could have a kind of try before you buy type thing where you just run on a very, very small commission. Or there's some kind of subscription to management services. I mean, I think that is starting to happen now where instead of giving 20% or 10% or whatever, you actually have uh, management services there is a company called Centralised, which are starting to do that. It's kind of project management for self-managing artists to help you write that you know, letter to a sync agency or how to present yourself in a kind of clearer way. And he's done a lot of research into building this platform. So there's all kinds of things starting to come out of the woodworks. So you touched on money management and obviously that really affects a musician's health, you know, the stress of having to make sure they can earn a living and also actually having to go and, and look and see, you know, have they been paid properly, you know, have royalties been paid. And I know that you're a real supporter of blockchain technologies, aren't you? Could you tell me a little bit about that and how that will actually help musicians get paid more effectively? What I'm a supporter of is for money to be paid back to the artist as quickly as humanly or machinely possible. And when I heard about this technology called blockchain, and I understood this application of smart contracts. Just the simple concept of you buy a thing and the thing pays everybody who invested in that thing at the time of the payment happening. So credit cards have been able to do that for many years. You pay into a, an account and off it goes, it pays the people for the thing that you've just bought. The idea around music is that because most of it's not a physical thing anymore, that that kind of payment has been even further removed from the artist than ever before. And the loss of information across the various different kind of gatekeepers to say, for example, Spotify might have to pay for, well, now mechanical licensing in the States, mechanicals in the UK has to pay for composition and the recording masters. It doesn't pay the performers. The radio pays performers, not in the US. I mean, there's so many different ridiculous varieties of payment and non-payment. And then with it, each country has its own laws and its own regulations and its own percentages and then beyond that the interaction between the different services and like from different nations what their deals are together it's just so convoluted it's absolutely crazy but the reason it's like that is just a hundred years of trying to figure out how to pay musicians as technology vastly grows so much quicker than our capacity to utilize that in the return side a song can get put up onto the internet in a second and it's everywhere it's distributed everywhere and that happens immediately yet the payment can take two years to come back to you and now with technology this blockchain smart contract potentially this type of technology if everybody could get behind it there's no reason why the song itself can't make the payment so instead of spotify paying sound exchange paying etc etc you know or ppl and all these people in this long chain of events that the song just pays everyone we need to make things more efficient i think what might start to happen is you'll see this kind of very fast payments in countries where there are, aren't incumbents or aren't existing services. But also maybe you might see, I mean, for instance, Finnish society, Tiosto, Icelandic society, they're very forward thinking and they are already looking into these kinds of technologies and open to it because they know they have to reinvent themselves for this future. Otherwise, they're not going to be in the picture anymore because ultimately these are supposed to be non-profit organisations and they're initially started by writers so they should be looking into these technologies but as companies grow then of course they hire hundreds of people to do jobs and then they're kind of locked into that technology and then they have boards and the boards take forever to take decisions so it's not all evil reasons why this money isn't getting to the right place in the right time it's just a sad reality that about 
up to 50% of all royalties aren't reaching their rightful parties. And that's insane amount of waste. Just going back to your career again, may I ask, what, what motivates you? What drives you to continually push the boundaries? Again, it just kind of comes out of frustration that this doesn't happen. I made a record. It's really great. I think it's great. I'm going to make this happen. It was actually easier to do it that way than being destroyed by a label just not putting out something that you love and not putting their heart behind it. It was easier to do it. And then with the Creative Passport, which is the thing which we started about five years ago, which is around this digital identity, it's just just this constant frustration of, you know, how many times do I have to prove who I am? How many times do I have to phone up different societies and go, yes, I am Imogen Heap, here's this thing, here's this thing, here's this thing, chasing up payments, you know, verifying myself to various different services. Why can't I just have something that people will just accept as that that's who I am, a, one, a one-stop verification that the industry accepts. If you've got one of these, that's you. Because there's a digital world, you should be able to just quickly set preferences on and off to what services you want to use your data, preferences from, you know, yes, I want all services to have this current biography and I want it to be uploaded the minute I've changed it in this one place it's going to let all the services know so if i've got a profile on help musicians website then it would update to that if i've got one on spotify it would update to that etc etc and we are finding ways to make sure that that's the last time you're going to have to put that in because we're going to make that available to you to send whoever wants to see that data when they need to see it whether that's your ppl number your biography your skill set the gear that you use whatever that might be to ultimately enable the independent musician to go in and sort out their own stuff because the amount of times you get the runaround from services or collection societies because they just don't have the resources to fix these little problems but if we are empowered to fix them ourselves then we're all good so if someone was listening and they're really inspired by your career and the sort of diversity of it, what advice would you have for them? My career is a funny word. It's like, it's just life. Just get on, go out there, do what you love, be passionate, read, meet people, be excited. Don't keep too many secrets about what you're working on. Just like share it because that's when you're going to find people to help you take things on. Don't be afraid if it's not going to kill you and you want to get on and make stuff don't be afraid to share your ideas don't be worried that people are going to steal from you people have too many of their own things to do they're not going to steal from you and besides if you say anything like oh i've got this great idea for a song you've already probably had a year thinking about that song without you even knowing it probably subconsciously just get on and make things and some things won't work out but it's okay because other things will this kind of feeling of perfection and waiting till everything's perfect before i've never lived by that i've always found that really works against me maybe it doesn't for other people but that presentation of the self the perfect self the perfect album i constantly have failings on stage i constantly sharing that process too and that's the thing which helps me just feel comfortable in my own skin that I'm, i don't have to be 100 percent without flaws on stage and i get to you know experiment with technology and so i feel like the only advice is that there is no path there's no set path you have to make your own i know it's really cliched but every story that you hear from every musician are all very different and that's because there is no model the only model is just you've got one life so just get out there and make the most of it you're the only you in the world so just be good at being you (laughs) 
And finally, we always ask people who come on this podcast what they love about their music career, because sometimes we've spoken about things that can be quite challenging. And I think it's really good in that context to just remind people that actually there is wonderful things about being an artist too. Obviously, we haven't really spoken about too many challenging things, but could you just tell me something that you've really loved about your music career and continue to love about your music career? I suppose when I started to enjoy my career is when I didn't just do music. When not all of the pressure is not all on the music making, but actually that you have a whole plethora of stuff that you do, kind of taking off the edge. The thing that has sustained me in my career is by being free to explore the things that I'm passionate about, the projects, and they are actually the things which have ended up funding me, not making records. The money comes in from you know, things directly outside of the commercial music industry, which is music for theatre or music for a brand or some film music or... Because those things pay well. It's actually the music industry doesn't pay very well. <laughs> it's just the minute you get out of it, it does start to pay you because people value, you know, in a different way. You get what you feel it's worth rather than the dregs. And so often spending as much time as you can outside of the music in industry, the happier I've become. Fascinating. Imogen, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. This episode of the Elevate Music podcast is supported by Help Musicians, an independent charity that has been supporting musicians for nearly 100 years. Through an integrated programme of health and welfare and creative funding opportunities, the charity offers a lifetime of support when it's needed most. For more information on Help Musicians or to find out how to access support, visit helpmusicians.org.uk. Thank you to Hazel Mills for recommending our money episode with Hannah Peel and Naomi Paul on Twitter. You can listen to that particular episode and the other 11 we've released so far on your preferred podcast provider. Now let's hear from Tim Ferroni. I run Wrapped Up Music, which I describe as a pay-as-you-go record company. And what that means in reality is that Unlike the traditional record company model whereby the artist hands over their copyrights and sort of crosses their fingers, this is trying to be a contemporary solution to the question that that poses, whereby the artist retains their copyright ownership in this instance, and then they plug into me and I pull together a bespoke team just for them to put in and around them and their campaign, and in so doing, you know, look to provide all the services that you'd normally associate with a record company. That's really interesting that you mentioned the team there, because I know that was something that Imogen was saying if you were starting out, like, where would you even begin to start to build a team? So you actually help artists to do that as well, do you? Yeah, very much so. I mean, quite often the artists will come and they'll have some associations, some formal arrangements with individuals or companies, but there's nearly always holes that need filling. And I see it as part of my service to find the correct solution for any given artist uh, you know whether it's a a radio plugger an agent a PR person a lawyer whatever it may be uh, and try and find people who I think will connect with them on a personal level people who will like and sort of relay the the musical message with passion and in so doing try and find individuals that are specific to that artist rather than just a sort of one-size-fits-all option, which is a little bit more common of the, of the, the, the usual record company setup, where you pretty much get the team you're given. So you mentioned pay-as-you-go at the beginning, and I know Imogen was saying before about how she gave away the rights to a lot of her early works and she's never going to see those again. Do you take any rights or does the artist retain all their rights? No, and I come from an artist management background and that always stuck in my throat a little bit, the idea of having to hand over your baby and, and then saying, OK, you know, 
please look after them for me. It just always felt like an outdated model to me. So the idea is I don't take any ownership. Uh, the artist retains 100% control. And as a result, it's much more of a partnership where you're working in tandem with the artist than the old-fashioned model, which was a little bit more master-servant. Uh, and I say that as an ex-record company employee. I was aware of how it worked from the inside and, and the out. And obviously Imogen mentioned that employing people can be quite expensive. Are there services that can be accessed by very sort of early stage musicians who may be struggling a little bit more to sort of pay for services? There are, and there's always a deal to be struck. I'm an advocate of finding the right people and then find a way of getting them on board most people in the music business are not there because they want to make their fortune and retire early they're there because they're passionate about the music business and quite often if they find something that they really love they almost find themselves getting involved despite themselves uh, because they're probably busy and quite often a proposition isn't perhaps as well paid as, as they might like it to be but if they really fall in love with that music or the artist or their story then you end up feeling compelled to get involved uh, in which case you know maybe there's a deal to strike maybe there's a cheaper way of getting someone on board or there's some way of incentivizing them on the back end i would advocate find the right people and then find a way of getting them on board by hook or by crook so what are some of the biggest challenges do you think that independent artists face? We're in an environment now which is very different to that of 20 years ago. 20 years ago, an artist would have one option, ostensibly, and that was to walk into a record company and hope that they said yes. And if they said no, that was it, you know, that's the end of the road, you go back to the day job sort of thing. If they said yes, then you plug into that big system and they will have their input, you will have your input, and then you kind of roll the dice and away you go. We're in a very different environment now whereby the business has become democratised, which is wonderfully freeing because the artists can be not just the artists, they could be the CEO of their own business. They can be you know, the head of marketing, the financial controller, the lawyer, the manager, and every particular role you care to look at within that record releasing environment, all the way down to the person who's there sweeping up in the toilets at the end of the day. The problem with that is that that's an enormous amount of work and an enormous breadth of role for them to have to take on. So I think... It's wonderfully freeing and artists today have that capacity to properly steer their own path in a way that, you know, probably wasn't really open to some of the predecessors. But it can also be an incredibly daunting and never ending sort of job. And, you know, there's not enough hours in the day to perform all of those roles. So I guess that's why I'm an advocate of getting some help. So traditionally, music colleges have prepared musicians for the musical side of their career. Do you think it's possible to prepare someone for the sort of more portfolio business side of their career? Or do you think it's something you just need to learn on the job? I like the idea of learning on the job. And I think there's a lot to be gained from, you know, someone once told me that, that if someone asks you, can you do something, then your answer should always be yes. And that's not to say that you've done it before. You're not lying. You just have faith in yourself that you'll find a way. And in so doing, you end up learning an awful lot more than had you not said yes and not got involved. So I, I'm a believer in 
learning through real life experience and rolling up your sleeves and, and getting stuck in. I'm not sure that you can study it per se, but I certainly think you can benefit from the notion of a portfolio career because you are master of your own destiny. If you want to take a, an hour's break mid-afternoon and go for a walk and get some fresh air and uh, you know get away from it all, you can. Equally, if you want to then dip into a different element of you know the way you monetize your career, which is totally unrelated to the thing you were doing immediately beforehand, that's a lovely thing to do as well because the problems from one area don't necessarily seep into another area. So you can come at it from a fresh perspective and without getting bogged down by challenges or people or problems, whatever it may be. So I think the idea of a portfolio career is one that is an awful lot of people would be tremendously envious of, actually. Do you see any specific health and wellbeing issues with the musicians that you work with? It's very easy to fall into that trap of never stepping away. Uh, you know, your career becomes all-encompassing and, and you never really get to the end of the day and feel, that's it, I'm done, I've got everything done. You know, your task list is endless and there will always be something else you could do or that you think you could do, you just might not know what it is. So that in itself can create a certain amount of anxiety and a feeling of being overwhelmed. So I think from my perspective, in terms of having good people around you who you can use as sounding boards, who you can hopefully delegate tasks to, who you can share concerns with and try and mitigate some of the anxiety that people have quite naturally. What do you think the benefits are of being an independent artist with regards to keeping that sense of autonomy? Do you think that has a positive sense on a musician's well-being? I do. And I say that as somebody who lived in the sort of pre-democratisation of the music business era and, you know, still exists. And frequently enough, the experience of signing to a record company in the old model was that an, an enormous amount of frustration would kick in. Either the artist would feel that their career was being steered off in a direction that they weren't entirely happy with or that there were elements of their campaign that weren't being given as much love and TLC as they felt they should have been or, or deserved. And now in a more independent environment, you're able to take more ownership and more control over all of those processes, which means that you are able to steer things and you are able to use your drive and energy to get things over the line that it's sometimes very difficult, if not impossible to do in a traditional record company sort of setup. So there are, to my mind, clear benefits of being independent. You are, I often think of it in terms of, a, of an architect. It, it, through the old model, you would walk into an architect and say, okay, could you design me up a building? You end up getting what you're given. And that was what it was a little bit like going into a record company. They would take what you'd given them, they'd help you shape it, and then they'd get it out there through their processes. And now you go in, you're there working out exactly where those foundations should go. You're laying the first floor of the building, and you might then plug into a record company further down the line. But by that point, you're looking at the second or the third or the fourth layer, and at which point the structure of the building is already there. So your, your capacity to realise your own creative ambitions is dramatically improved as an independent artist, at, at least as far as I'm concerned. And finally, what advice would you give to an artist who is starting out and they want to release their music independently? 
I would try and find good, passionate people who can help you. And passion is a sort of overused word in the corridors of music business, but it's not a given. And I've seen with my own eyes the difference between somebody who's working two artists at the same time and one they're doing a good job for and they're professionally obligated to deliver for and one they absolutely love and are super passionate about. And we're human beings at the end of the day. You can't help but be at least slightly emotionally led. And the people who are passionate are going to go in deeper and and give more than the people who are simply committed. I'm a big believer of surround yourself with people you like. I'm lucky enough to have been able to sort of brush off some of the people who I've been less inclined to work with. And, And now it's a pleasure to work with lovely human beings who are great fun and we spend a lot of time laughing and hey, guess what? When you laugh and when you enjoy what you do, you end up doing a much better job. It's not rocket science. So surround yourself with decent human beings who you like and who are passionate about what you do. I think that's far above and beyond any other piece of advice I could relay. That's so true. Tim, thank you very much. Pleasure. If you'd like to find out more about some of the topics that Imogen and Tim discussed, you'll find links and signposts to all the appropriate services in the podcast description, as well as a link to the free ebook that Tim wrote for AIM, which is called The Startup Guide to the Music Business. So that's well worth a read. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And you can get in touch with us directly on social media at Elevate Music Pod on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast was produced by Elevate Music and Listen in partnership with Help Musicians. Thanks for listening and see you next time.